Hi, and welcome to Data Hack Radio. This is Kunal, your host for the show. In this episode, we will talk to Dat Tran, who is currently the head of data science at Idealo. Dat and his team have been working on very exciting deep learning and machine learning problems, especially in the area of image processing and computer vision. We'll talk to Dat more about those projects in this episode. Before joining Idealo, Dat has also worked with companies like Accenture and Pivotal and brings a breadth of experience in multiple domains. He's also involved in mentoring students through Springboard. And if you have been on LinkedIn, you would know Dat by his very popular posts, which bring out applications of data science in a very beautiful manner. So if you're not following Dat on LinkedIn, you should be doing that. Specifically in this episode, we'll talk to Dat about his experience, the challenges they face in scaling up machine learning while they are working on these exciting problems and how Dat goes about hiring people in his team and what kind of rounds and process does Dat follow. This is one of the very exciting episodes and I personally learned a lot while talking to Dat. Pleasure to have you on the show and I've been looking forward to the discussion. But, you know, for the sake of the audience, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your journey and how did you get into data science? And then, you know, what are you doing uh, these days? Uh, um, I think my my journey into data science is uh, not really straightforward. So, you know, when I when I was uh, still studying in my undergraduate, I I was more focused onto investment banking um, and uh, not really onto machine learning, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, but you know, while being an undergraduate, I I, I did a lot of internships into investment banking uh, and also did a lot of stuff into trading and uh, you know got got a lot of um, I would say um, working on quant and all stuff, right? But mm-hmm. uh, I really didn't like it there. So uh, you know, after I realized, hey, this is not the the thing for me, I, I, I went back to, to do my graduate studies. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, there, there were so a couple of friends, you know, who majored into uh, yeah, machine learning. Uh, and, and, you know, and then I got somehow into this, right? And then mm-hmm. I got my first job in Accenture, mm-hmm. uh, uh, working in, in their uh, advanced analytics uh, department, how, how it was called before. Mm-hmm. And more in, uh, in the, the focus was more into like, big data, uh, like, you know, maybe also statistic and not really like what people call today data science and machine learning, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it was quite new at the time. Um, and then... And what uh, year was this? Oh, I think 2011, 12, something like yeah, this. Yeah, so big so, data was quite a, quite a bit of trend at that time. I mean, at least specifically the term big data. Yeah, yeah, big data was like completely and, you know, everyone was like, oh yeah, we need had and all stuff so uh, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. was, was kind of was kind of funny um, but yeah you know I, I stayed there only for a short while and then I moved on to Pivotal mm-hmm. um, because um, I had a friend already who, who worked at Pivotal and, and and he told me that there was a position open and then I, I joined Pivotal um, a couple of years ago uh, and from there you know I, I worked onto uh, more machine learning focused projects in in various industries, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, mm-hmm. for example, I worked with a with a, a big car um, manufacturer, like on on hydro planning prediction. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of my basically first deep learning projects, 
and um, and then also I work on like you know traditional stuff, logistic uh, into logistic right as an industry, uh, but also like uh, autom uh, automotive, but um, airlines as well, right? So it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, and now and then I, I stayed there for for two years, and then I moved on uh, as a head of data science at Idealo, where I'm right now. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, uh, I'm heading the the data science team here at Idealo and and our focus is mainly on computer vision. So, uh, um, of course, at the price comparison website, you have many other, um, I would say, areas that you can work on. For example, uh, recommendation engine, price mm -hmm. prediction, you know, or even, I don't know, uh, customer churns and things, like right? So, mm -hmm. a lot of, like, this traditional uh, stuff. But um, um, a lot of people don't think that, you know, we could also work on, like, you know, this fancy computer vision problems because... Uh, uh, you know, Idealo has a lot of uh, images. So yeah. when you think about Idealo, we do price comparison not only for products, but we also do it for hotels, right? Mm -hmm. And hotels, we have like uh, 300 million images, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot of things. And um, in, in this terms, what we do is, uh, for example, we taught a computer to understand uh, aesthetic, right? So mm -hmm. beauty of like for hotel image. We also uh, do a lot of stuff like image tagging, um, uh, like the, the, the basic stuff, right, that you would do with an image. And mm -hmm. then, of course, uh, one of the areas that we also focus on is we want to understand these kind of images, right? So like mm -hmm. explainable AI. So how can you understand uh, deep learning models, right? Because in the past, everyone had the feeling like, oh, yeah, you're using deep learning, but you really uh, do not really understand this, right? Mm -hmm. And then... Another problem what we also do a lot is is upscale low to uh, high resolution images, right? So this, mm -hmm. this, these are things that we do on a on a deep learning space. Um, on also on the other space that is very critical for us uh, is also uh, taking these models into production, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, um, it's it's not just like you know uh, we build a model and then uh, it sits there somewhere, right? Or PowerPoint, yeah. but you know it it you know we also need to productionize it in our product as well, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. And, uh, you know, the first thing which comes to my mind is, you know, you've worked on a wide variety of uh, problems. So, you know, automobiles to price comparison or e-commerce, I mean, uh, depending on how you uh, segregate them, but, uh, you know, large variety of uh, problems. And so, uh, you know, let's maybe I'll just start with the work at uh, Idealo. So can you tell us a bit more about, you know, uh, what kind of uh, data and these image recognition problems you're working on? What kind of challenges does that throw? And, uh, you know, what, what problems are you specifically working on? Yeah, so for example, let's, let's, let's come back to this uh, image aesthetic thing. Yeah. Again, right for the mm -hmm. uh, hotel price comparison. Mm -hmm. So um, as I said, Idealo also does um, hotel price comparison, mm -hmm. and on our website we have like around two million recommendations, right? Mm -hmm. And um, these two million recommendations have like three hundred million images, right? So if you mm -hmm. you would do the math, uh, it would be like around one hundred thirty uh, uh, images per accommodation. And yeah. uh, um, the problem here is. Um, let's say, you know, you have a wide range of hotel providers, right? So you have mm -hmm. like small hotels, for example, like my parents, we own a small hotel, right? Mm -hmm. Two size hotels, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have these big players like uh, Hilton, uh, the IHE group, right? So all these luxury hotel providers, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the problem here is like, 
these luxury hotel providers, they, they can offer you, you know, like they have professional gallery services, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, people are taking photos of the rooms of the hotel and they order it already in a very pleasant way, right? Yeah. But if you think about um, the, the wide range of accommodations, right? So like small to mid-sized hotels, they mm -hmm. just don't do it, right? So they're like, you know, my dad comes in into the hotel, you know, take some photos with his iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, take photos from 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 the toilet as a first image, right? Yeah. And then, you know, basically they send it to this uh, hotel aggregators, right? Mm -hmm. And from the hotel aggregators, basically, um, we get the these orders, right? Which is not perfect because, you know, uh, there would be a toilet paper, a toilet uh, room as yeah. a first image, right? For and image, if you, yeah. yeah. And if you think about your own experience of traveling, right, uh, mm -hmm. especially, you know, I mean, from a Western standpoint, like from my standpoint, because, you know, if you're thinking, think about the Japanese, mm -hmm. uh, the, the toilet room or the restroom as a first image is actually quite nice. Mm -hmm. And like for, from a German perspective, it's not really nice, you know, yeah. like if, mm -hmm. uh, you, you would like to have a living room or, you know, yeah. uh, the reception or whatever as a, as a first image, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, what we want to do is um, our algorithm solves two problems, right? So it takes the images. So mm -hmm. in like say bedrooms, uh, restroom, uh, uh, reception and whatever classes we have and mm -hmm. then reorder these images in a visually pleasant way, right? So that, mm -hmm. you know, we have this small and mid-sized uh, hotels, right? To, mm -hmm. to have a very professional gallery for free and also hopefully, you know, in, in the future increase their conversion rate but also for our website, right? Because we want to solve problem, like, you know, these kind of problems for them in a way, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is one of the problems that, that we face. Another problem that we have uh, um, with, with image tagging is uh, product galleries, right? So mm -hmm. um, think about your own experience when you, I don't know if Amazon also uh, exists in India, but um, perfect. So uh, if you go on Amazon, right, and uh, you want to buy, like something, right? For example, mm -hmm. like an iPhone 7 or something. Like this. And mm -hmm. uh, what do you see there? So you see a price, you see uh, reviews, right? And mm -hmm. of course, you see images of the, mm -hmm. of the, of the product, right? Yeah. Um, and this is also uh, similar to us because we're also an e-commerce company, which mm -hmm. means we also have a wide range of, of, of product galleries, like images, right? And mm -hmm. um, the problem here is, you know, uh, sometimes we, we, we get too many images. So, you know, we get... 30 uh, images of, of the iPhone in, on a different, of different scale, right? So, and, mm -hmm. and also different, different angle, right? So it can be front view, uh, side view, uh, or, you know, it's a mix of uh, different angles and views together, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and, and basically you want to have an, an, an algorithm, right? Or a mechanism, a smart feature, I would call it, that enables this gallery, you know, to reorder in already in a correct way without manual intervention. Because, you mm -hmm. know, if you have only one product listed uh, uh, on our page, this is easy, right? So yeah. I can do it. <laughs> so you don't need a software uh, or machine learning algorithm to do that, right? Yeah. But if you think that we, ha we uh, are processing 330 million uh, product offers every yeah. day, mm -hmm. this is not so easy. Got it, got it. And uh, for these images, you also uh, find like orthogonal angles or, I mean, because if you have multiple images from, uh, you know, slightly varying angles, I'm sure the dimensionality would become a huge challenge. 
Yeah, I mean, this, this is a, uh, it's a lot of problems when, when you think about this, but mm -hmm. uh, for many categories, we try to predefine some uh, classes already, right? So mm -hmm. like front view, side view, rear view, view uh, because a lot of things, they, they kind of look similar, right? So for example, mm -hmm. if you, you think about phones, they look very similar to tablets, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, if someone completely change uh, the image, you know, do a, a third, 360 flip and or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, it's really hard to see, right? <laughs> I mean, there, there we have another uh, kind of algorithm that, that we want to pick in place. And this mm -hmm. is more like uh, application services in a way, right? So this is more, not really like tagging, like really categorizing these images into certain uh, classes, right? Mm -hmm. And And not all um, products have the same class, right? So for example, if you think about uh, computers, maybe we don't want to uh, display front view or whatever, maybe it's like motherboard or uh, screen, something like this, right? Mm -hmm. So not all, not all um, I would say, like galleries, you know, have the same class, right? So we, before, before we do this, we need to really define what is this kind of classes that what we want to do, right? And mm -hmm. then, and then we're gonna create this this algorithm, basically, right? Basically, to to uh, automatically cla uh, um, classify our products. Mm -hmm. Wow! So you know the pro problem starts from tagging these images to doing uh, s some sort of optimization in terms of size, in terms of the order, the recommendation. And, you know, so, and this is happening for all the 330 million products which you mentioned. Is that, is that correct? Well, if, if you, I mean, this is all for the products, but if you uh, would reduce the problems, we only have 2000 categories. Or categories, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so the subspace is smaller, but of course the the range is much bigger, right? So mm -hmm. you have two thousand categories mapped with a lot of uh, uh, product offers to that, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we started with uh, one uh, product category explicitly, so with mm -hmm. helmets, bike helmets actually, mm -hmm. and we uh, the cool thing, the side effect that we we could do this is we it also works well on five other helmets like mm -hmm. ski helmets or. Uh, uh, what kind of other helmets? Um, so, um, moped. So, like, kind yeah. of, you know, um, uh, like other kind of helmets. So, I, I don't know the the other categories exact uh, explicitly, mm -hmm. but um, we, we we explicitly decided on helmets because you know we can transfer this learning to other uh, categories uh, quite well. A similar yeah. thing, we would also do it for for um, smartphones, right? Mm -hmm. So, smartphones can be transferred very well to tablets as well, yeah. right, and other things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very interesting. And uh, I just want to, you know, also understand the data engineering aspect of this, because uh, this is uh, obviously a challenging problem. So, so you know, what kind of uh, infrastructure are we are we talking about? And what kind of tools do you use to, uh, to, you know, run these algorithms or go through these uh, data points? Mm. Um, I mean, we, 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 we have a, a wide range of uh, technologies that we're using. So mm -hmm. um, uh, at Idealo, we have actually like an on-premise cloud. So mm -hmm. we are using Kubernetes and OpenShift to deploy our models, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, this is quite good because it's running on production this way. And uh, the way how to run it on Kubernetes is quite easy, right? So yeah. you just build your Docker file, you basically uh, have your application, right? In our case, uh, mm -hmm. it is either a FAS or a Falcon application, right? And mm -hmm. we basically deploy it as a, as a REST API. And then on top of this, um, on top of this, you know, you have a, 
other uh, software. In, in, the, in our case, it's called a media manager, which is uh, written in Angular, right? And you know, and, and this one basically connects to our API when you know basically the content manager is working on this creating these categories, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is like the production system a little bit, um, mm -hmm. and there we cooperate a lot with our software engineers, right? Mm -hmm. So my my data scientists basically they do pair programming with our software engineers in a way, right, to mm -hmm. put this into production. Um, yeah. And um, from a training perspective, we are using uh, AWS, mm -hmm. so we don't have a GPU cluster here somewhere sitting. We mm -hmm. basically, you know, when we train, we spin it up uh, mm -hmm. on AWS. We're using their uh, P2, P3 instances, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we're done, we basically um, uh, shutting it down, right? And the model mm -hmm. is basically safe on S3, right? And there's a sync then with S3 and then our model running, like our production system running on our Kubernetes cluster, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. And uh, so, and you have one model which would do the tagging for you and then, you know, recommendation engine is another. So tell us how these models stack up. I think it depends more on the team itself. So we don't, like my team really doesn't maintain the stuff, right? Okay. So what we do is, is, is we, we create this kind of models uh, mm -hmm. and we also create the API, right? Mm -hmm. But then we pair with the sub-engineers and the sub-engineer is taking over it, right? So mm -hmm. when you think about this uh, image gallery recommendation uh, mm -hmm. thing kind of way, it, it is uh, basically maintained by our hotel team, right? So mm -hmm. we have a hotel team that takes care of it, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about um, the product gallery, we have another team which is uh, called product gallery in our in our uh, area, right? Mm -hmm. And basically they have seven years at taking part of this, right? Because uh, what we can do, because we are a small team, I we have like five people with my team, we mm -hmm. can't do like the monitoring of the system, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't monitor uh, the entire uh, Kubernetes cluster, right? So this mm -hmm. is very difficult for us uh, if you have a small team like this, right? Hello, listener. As you might be aware, we launched our flagship AI and ML black belt program a few days back, and it received a phenomenal response from the community. It's a program which comes with one-on-one -on -one mentorship for 18 months and a live support every Thursday, along with a bundle of 10 courses. So it starts from basics of Python and machine learning and goes all the way up to doing projects in NLP and computer vision. It's by far the most comprehensive program from analytics with there and in general compared to any other program out there. Because we are so heavily invested in this program, we can only offer limited seats and hence the registrations are coming to an end on 2nd of May. So if you are interested in this program, if you're a beginner who wants to learn everything about machine learning and deep learning and the kind of applications which are being built using these technologies, this is the right program for you, but it's available only for limited time. And 2nd of May is the last date for registrations. We'll close the registrations after that date on this program. So if you're interested, go and check out details about this program on courses.analyticswithdaya.com. Thank you. How big is your team and how many people are, uh, are 
there in your team? Yeah, as I said, in, our, in my data science team, we are only uh, five people, so oh. including me, so we are six in mm -hmm. total. Uh, and then, uh, uh, of course, we are part of a, of a data management team, which yeah. does more things, right? So mm -hmm. it provides, uh, for example, um, data warehouse, right? Uh, the, um, business intelligence, web analytics, right? So mm -hmm. all the services that you would expect from a, from a data team. Very and of course, data science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, you know, this was the first time when you were working on uh, e-commerce when you joined Idealo, uh, uh, right? Uh, or did you have prior experience in in e-commerce as a as a domain? Um, not really. So this is the this was the first e-commerce company for me. Um, mm. Of course, I worked into uh, areas which were closer, uh, which kind of you know like had some kind of e-commerce part in there because, you know, mm -hmm. all digital companies these days, they are basically e-commerce companies in some yeah. day, right? <laughs> so for example, if you run an airline or logistic company, they mm -hmm. have some kind of e-commerce component. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, but uh, so the reason why I was asking that also, was this the first time when you worked on, you know, such large uh, image data set or uh, you had uh, done that in your past uh, experience? Was that no, actually, own its own challenges, right? Yeah. So no, this was my, actually my first time working on on a such such large set of image data. I mean, mm -hmm. I in my previous uh, jobs, right? I worked on big data applications already, mm -hmm. but these were more like you know, weather data or mm -hmm. geographical data, but also satellite data, right? But mm -hmm. satellite data, but may, oh yeah, maybe satellite data was one of the things where I worked a lot of like like a lot of data, but satellite data is like not a lot of images individually but mm -hmm. it's such a big image right yeah, so yeah. It's, but you you basically also can uh, distribute the problem with the satellite images in, in smaller problems in a way right mm -hmm. but uh, yeah it was the first time where you know i faced like 300 million uh, images at the same wow. time okay okay interesting and then so you know how did uh, uh, what are the kind of challenges which came up when you uh, you know started working on such large data set uh, specifically with images so what kind of challenges came up uh, uh, from both the data engineering perspective as well as from data science perspective Whew. i think i think from the from the i would say let's say from the data science perspective mm -hmm. Uh, it's very connected to the data engineering perspective, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, if you think about uh, neural networks, right? So we are also using neural networks, uh, mm -hmm. especially evolutional neural networks, right? To, mm -hmm. to uh, train our models. Yeah. Um, there, you know, you have a lot of wide range of uh, models that you use. For example, mm -hmm. you could use ResNet 1.52, you use uh, VG16 and, or 19 mm -hmm. and whatever, right? So there's, mm -hmm. there's so many. But the problem with these models is, they are very large, right? They have a lot of parameters that you need to train. So there's always this trade-off between uh, accuracy and speed, right? Mm -hmm. So if, you, if you're in research, uh, what do you do? If you're in research, you only want to have the state-of-the-art accuracy uh, evaluation metrics and whatever, right? Yeah. So this is, this is your goal. Mm -hmm. But when you think about production system, you need a balance, you know, you still need a good balance of accuracy, but then speed is very important, especially yeah. uh, when you have like so many images, right? So 300 million images, because let's say if I were to use a rest at 152, it would probably would take me like, I don't know, two seconds uh, or one seconds on a GPU, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for one image. One second sounds, you know, uh, very short. It's not long, right? But <laughs> if you think about 300 million images, one mm -hmm. second, 
is huge. <laughs> it's yeah. very huge. So you have to go into the uh, milliseconds area, right? So uh, from there, you know, when you think about this perspective, you also need to go with lightweight models, right? So for yeah. example, uh, mobile net. And then when you think about these problems, you need to think about other stuff. So how can I prune my model, right? How can I compress the model even more so that it works, for example, even uh, in microseconds areas, right? So in, into this range. Um, and then from the data engineering perspective, you can also think about um, a lot of areas, right? So for example, when we use our Kubernetes uh, cluster, um, mm -hmm. the, the kind of distribution is already done by, by our cluster, right? So mm -hmm. let's say we run uh, 50 containers. So in Kubernetes, it's called pods, right? Mm -hmm. So pod is like a, like a unit area of uh, how much, how many of these services are running. So yeah. if you scale from one to, to two, from two to 10, right, we get already free distribution, right? So this is, this is very important. And, you know, and then from there, from the data engineer's perspective, we also need to uh, kind of benchmark those things, right? So what is an optimal value of this, right? So do we need to increase it to 50? Do we increase it to 100, right? Because our Kubernetes clusters also not uh, unlimited right so mm -hmm. there's many other people using this kind of service as well right so we need to fight for for resources um, mm -hmm. and then we need a like a lot of different ways to to basically solve this problem to basically uh, predict a lot of images in a short time and mm -hmm. this is one of the area that Kubernetes can help another area that we have been explored um, so far is also using Apache Spark right so mm -hmm. how can we use Spark basically to predict uh, I will use a TensorFlow model, right? And mm -hmm. then uh, predict it on a lot of, of images, right? Yeah. So this is also um, a thing that is going on, you know, the people writing uh, tutorials about this. They also, uh, you know, um, uh, there's some um, code block on there, right? But it's still, you know, not very stable. So yeah. we face a lot of problems. So for example, how can we use a, a Keras train model with the TensorFlow backend, right? And mm -hmm. then uh, basically serialize it on all our nodes, right? And then do the prediction, right? So there were a lot of things that this was happening and going on. For example, what was the right input format, right? So mm -hmm. do we need to transform our images into a parquet file format, right? Uh, how many nodes do we actually need, right, to basically perform it, for example, in 30 minutes versus mm -hmm. one hour, right? And then we had like, cost perspective because uh, um, for, for Spark, we basically use uh, EMR. So this mm -hmm. is the, the basically the, the, um, the service, the Spark kind of version provided by Amazon, right? So yeah. there's a lot of things going on into to this direction <laughs> that you need to think of. Right, right. And, and uh, how do you, uh, you know, keep up with the learning of these things? Because, you know, one of the common challenges which people face is, you know, these details about model deployment are very difficult to find. A lot of time they come from experience. So, uh, I mean, how do you do, uh, do this and how do you, you know, uh, uh, get the best out of it with the resources you have? Yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, I think if you go into Coursera or any uh, mock uh, services or whatever, right, mm -hmm. there's, there's probably a cost for this. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's a cost about anything these days, right? Probably there's also a cost about uh, how to become a Christian or whatever, right? <laughs> uh, but for me, my, from, from my perspective, uh, mm -hmm. you best learn about these things when you do it yourself on mm -hmm. also on real projects, right? So mm -hmm. my experience comes actually on real projects. Mm -hmm. We actually 
do like you know work on a lot of data because for example there's there's an uh, kind of like a, uh, an experience that I had uh, with one of my guys for example mm -hmm. they he uh, of course had spark pro, uh, experience already right so mm -hmm. he did a course you know on Coursera and educate x and you do some theory and so on right but you know when you really start to work on a lot of data it's different you know you, you have to think about tuning you have to think yeah. about performance right and then and then when you really work on these projects you start to ask this question and then you know the thing what you do is you go to google you search things uh, whether they exist on stack overflow already right mm -hmm. or you know you have to solve it yourself right so this yeah. is how i would approach this problem and these days there's so many blog posts about uh, this area as well the thing the, the the problem though is um you, you don't get like a structured you know course mm -hmm. on how to solve this and that and this is this is difficult because it is so challenging because it's so new for us as well right so mm -hmm. there's no you know you, you basically you cannot find it somewhere because uh, sometimes the problems that you that i'm facing is not even there yet right i mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sometimes you know when i wake up and go to work and then you know we have this kind of problems it's like ah wow this problem exists but you know we haven't solved it yet so there's no paper there's no other blog post that has it already and this is but this is pretty cool because you know we can solve this problem <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree. And uh, as I said, I mean, this is this is one of the areas where you can, uh, uh, I mean, the best way to learn is through experimenting these things yeah. by yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and another advice that I probably would give to people is because, you know, I know that a lot of data scientists, they, they don't really come from a software engineering uh, mm -hmm. background, yeah. right? So uh, they don't know about like how to test your code or what a CI CD system is or mm -hmm. how to deploy it or even version control, right? There's something not always, you know, in, in a skill set of some people, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think sometimes, you know, when you start like really want to become, go into data science or, you know, people, I would say call people, these people today, machine learning engineers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you need kind of an engineering background, right? So yeah. uh, go into a, a software company, you know, learn like the basics like right? learn how to write proper code right clean mm -hmm. code mm -hmm. learn how to version control it right learn all the skills you know test room development pair programming and then you know move on very interesting and uh, i mean this is this is not the usual you know advice which uh, which we hear and and but at the same time you know i can i can see that perspective that these are some of the things which are uh, usually required when you uh, get things into production yeah so, so completely uh, agree with that part in fact i mean that's that's probably a very common problem in in industry that while people know the techniques uh, the data science part of it but uh, the minute it comes to deployment it becomes uh, a very different ball game yeah i mean i think in, in terms of like machine learning uh, mm -hmm. if, if, I, if i think about this in in, in like a applied way right i mean we're not completely research so we do applied research but if we think about like our our business we have to like you know uh, create some value right and you only create value when you take things in production and when you think about like the machine learning part the machine learning part is only a very small part of usually a very big software project right yeah. so the data scientist is only like you know uh, a part of the team right so you have mm -hmm. to you have to work with sub engineers you have to work with designers you have to work with product managers right and uh, 
basically, you know, when you when you train the model, it's 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 not something that we do every day, right? There's there's always you know there's always this uh, different perspective or in the media like oh yeah, data science is the sexiest job in the world these days, right? Mm-hmm. But if you really like you know understand it and really do this real life projects, right? You know, uh, you know most of my time. I, we are doing data engineering work. We are doing software engineering work, right? Yeah. We are not really doing the modeling part. Mm-hmm. True, true, very true. And uh, you know, I also know that you mentor a lot of people. So, I mean, is is this something which you tell them as well that you know they have to kind of focus on these aspects? Uh, uh, equally, I mean, is that uh, a common thing? And I mean, uh, is that uh, how you see industry growing in future as well? Yeah, I mean, in the past, I would just say, hey, uh, math and some stat skills uh, is enough, and then you learn the rest, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, these days, you know, if you want to really differentiate yourself, you really need the software engineering skills, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, when I hire, I get so many uh, CVs where people you know they studied math and they studied some stats and so on uh, that's quite fine right but if you you think about this if you have one or people uh, having the same background it's very hard to differentiate who's better who's not who's good or who's not good right mm-hmm. so it's very difficult and then these days also you know everyone adds a kaggle uh, project as well right yeah. uh, or you know any kaggle cats versus dog classification thing mm-hmm. and then the question is like okay uh, I get uh, 100 CVs with the same thing. So uh, who's really good at this, right? <laughs> so what what really differentiates the, this person from 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 other people, right? Yes. So uh, I think for me, when I when I when I tell my my mentees these days, you know, mm-hmm. I would say, hey, uh, gain a lot of software engineering uh, skills, and then also show me like a real project which is uh, very original, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and maybe it's it's time to have a Kaggle equivalent of data engineering and, uh, you know, uh, some of those aspects which actually scores things uh, on these aspects as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about Kaggle, Kaggle is very artificial, right? Mm-hmm. So the data set that is provided there is is always perfect. Yeah. So, uh, you, you you just tune it. You see, oh yeah, I I ranked uh, number one, I ranked number two, I ranked number three. But at the end of the day, I cannot use it at all, right? right. So in in my job, uh, this is only one part, as I said, uh, that we need, right? Yeah. The modeling part. And and basically, in the future, you know, if you have a good auto ML model, I don't really need a data scientist to do this anymore, right? So, uh, you know. <laughs> You can use some deep learning. You can, for example, uh, use some neural architecture search, uh, something like this, right? And then basically uh, search for the perfect uh, neural networks, right? And yeah. then you have some uh, Bayesian hyperparameter optimization, searching mm-hmm. for the best hyperparameters, right? So mm-hmm. you don't really need uh, someone sitting there and basically do this for you anymore, right? But mm-hmm. what we need, for example, is how do you uh, think into architecture, right? So how you how do you take this model, put this into product, right? How do, will it involve with the customer in a way, right? How will it works out, right? And this is important for me. Correct, correct. Hello, listener. As you might be aware, we launched our flagship AI and ML black belt program a few days back, and it received a phenomenal response from the community. It's a program which comes with one-on-one mentorship for 18 months and a live support every Thursday, along with 
a bundle of 10 courses. So it starts from basics of Python and machine learning and goes all the way up to doing projects in NLP and computer vision. It's by far the most comprehensive program from analytics with there and in general compared to any other program out there. Because we are so heavily invested in this program, we can only offer limited seats and hence the registrations are coming to an end on 2nd of May. So if you are interested in this program, if you're a beginner who wants to learn everything about machine learning and deep learning and the kind of applications which are being built using these technologies, this is the right program for you, but it's available only for limited time. And 2nd of May is the last date for registrations. We'll close the registrations after that date on this program. So if you're interested, go and check out details about this program on courses.analyticswithya.com. Thank you. So tell us a bit uh, about, you know, how do you go about uh, hiring people with those kind of skill sets in, in your team? And what are the kind of, you know, uh, people you look at? What are the kind of challenges you give them? How does, how does the hiring cycle look for your team? Yeah, I mean, uh, my hiring recruitment process or how we call it is, is actually quite straightforward. So mm-hmm. the first interview is always, you know, I ask them, uh, 10 basic uh, machine learning questions, uh, mm-hmm. very basic, but sometimes, you know, people already uh, uh, fail at those questions because they are so basic, right? Mm-hmm. That they, they sometimes don't know about this. Right? <laughs> it's quite amazing. Um, and, then, and then they get a, um, like, like kind of a task, right? Where they have 24 hours time. It's mm-hmm. very simple, you know, nothing spectacular. And then, mm-hmm. and then we invite them for, for um, on-site interview, right? And then, mm-hmm. Uh, what we also do is for some candidates, we do pair programming, right? So mm-hmm. uh, one of my data scientists is um, solving a problem together with uh, the candidate, right? Mm-hmm. And the candidate basically, uh, the problem is already set. And then uh, basically those two have to solve the problem, right? And then mm-hmm. in, this, in this kind of, uh, I would say, um, experiment, right? We already see how this, how do the candidate actually react, you know, to interaction, communication, right? So communication is very important between uh, the data scientists, right? So mm-hmm. they need to work together. Uh, and then we also see how does a person code, right? So uh, is, does he use some kind of like, you know, very bad code or uh, does he care or does, this, or does he or she care about clean code? code in a way right um how does this person use google right <laughs> i mean uh, yeah. this is also really a thing. I mean, yeah yeah i mean these days to be honest uh, uh, everything is you you you're searching through google or stack overflow or some documentation right so for mm-hmm. me for example when i when i started my career i used google a lot but these days you know i just go directly to the documentation i just look for what i need right and then i just do it right but mm-hmm. in the past how do you search through Google, right? So are you going through Stack Overflow and taking an answer that is five years ago? Or are you looking for an answer that has been recently been posted or answered, right? So these kind of things, you know, you can see how do, how do people work, right? Uh, are they, you know, kind of uh, like looking at the right things or, you know, or are they just, oh, okay, I'm lost into the problems, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this way you basically uh, can, can really see 
uh, the person uh, at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then what we also do is we we go to lunch with them, right? And then you know we want to have a kind of a kind of atmosphere where you know where they don't being this interview process, right? Because you know mm -hmm. when you're an interview sure. process, you're not yourself. You know no one mm -hmm. can tell me that you're yourself because you have mm -hmm. all these pre-baked uh, answers and questions in a way, right? Like yeah. you know like. What what is your uh, strength and weaknesses? You know, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No one cares about this. What I care about about this person is like to be honest in a way, right? So, mm -hmm. what do you do in your free time? Uh, why do you care about machine learning? What is your passion, and how do you want to develop yourself at the end of the day? Interesting. And and uh, typically, how long is this pair programming challenge which uh, which you give, and and what sort of complexities uh, uh, does it typically have? I would say uh, the complexity uh, is very simple. Usually, you know, sometimes it's just like uh, training a very simple deep learning or any other linear regression model, and mm -hmm. then taking it to production. Right. So mm -hmm. this is a test. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't we don't give more more uh, kind of like you know um, hints about this. You know, because they have mm -hmm. to work together. So at mm -hmm. the end of the day, they have to figure out how to do it. And at the end of the day. Um, I'm, I'm not really looking for a solution, right? Because we have solutions. <laughs> We're not looking for like, okay, did this person solve this this way? But it's yeah. more about like the things like the interaction and the things going forward, right? Mm -hmm. It's like in math. You know, in math, you know, when you, when you solve a problem, there's, there's, of course, there's a solution. But you know, when you're at university, you don't really care about the solution, right? You care about the proof and the yeah. way where you're going. Right? and not about the final solution. When you do the final solution, your math professor would only give you one point. <laughs> so yeah, True. this is the this is, um, In terms of time, I would say it can range from one hour to one hour, 30 minutes. So mm -hmm. it really depends. Interesting, interesting. And you know, taking a bit of a step back, uh, how do you, uh, so, uh, we have already seen, uh, you know, data sets grow and the uh, scale and the complexity grow tremendously in the last, uh, you know, three to five years. How do you see next, you know, three to five years from machine learning perspective and, and you know, uh, what, what sort of trends do you see in industry uh, as, as things kind of continue to scale at the, in the manner they are going uh, right now? Yeah, I think one thing that I already mentioned is uh, auto MML. So mm -hmm. I think auto machine learning is going to be a big thing. So there's a lot of development going on. I mean, you know, we started with this simple uh, NAS models, right? Now we have also enhanced NAS models already, right? right. So um, I don't think, you know, if you have more computational power, you don't really need a, a data science or machine learning anymore to take care of this hyperparameter optimization. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is not going to, to, to be this way. I mean, at the moment, we still have it because, you know, if you if you take in an auto ML, ML model and train it, for example, in MNIST, right? For example, for us, we did this experiment. It took us like eight hours before it found a very good model, right? Whereas when you take a transfer learning model, right? So, yeah. for example, like a, a, a model trained on, like a mobile net trained on ImageNet, it takes mm -hmm. like, 20 minutes, right? Yeah, so right. eight hours versus 20 minutes is, is very uh, uh, far away. But this is, you know, the trend that is going to in this direction. Mm -hmm. um, another trend that I see is also um, an area which is called explainable AI. Yeah. Um, I think the area has been around already for quite a while, but mm -hmm. now, you know, it's getting more momentum uh, in the research areas because, you know, people 
just don't create a black box uh, deep neural networks anymore, but they also want to understand it. Right? Yeah. And this is important because uh, in the past, you know, this, this thing has been going around in some, like they have been part of a feature in a, in a big software project or, in a, or, or like a mobile device and whatever, right? But now also, you know, business people asking, okay, what does it do? Uh, how does it do? And also you need this kind of things because uh, you need to detect, detect things like biases, right? Yeah. Uh, because uh, we don't know what's going to happen. For example, if you, for example, the police, they, I mean, there was a debate, for example, with the Amazon recognition API, right? So mm -hmm. the Amazon mm -hmm. recognition API is really not good, right? So it has a lot of biases in terms of like minorities, right? right. So if you don't really understand this uh, uh, and how you can improve it, it's not really good. And then uh, within these areas, I also would see the areas of like, uh, like the area adversarial text, right? So like kind of this security awareness, because if you think about um, things like self-driving cars and so on, right? Mm -hmm. For example, going forward 20, 25 years plus and see these things coming, uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot of potential threats that you can do with adversarial text, right? So let's mm -hmm. say uh, you self-driving car is going around and then, you know, you have some terrorists, uh, you know, he's uh, faking some images, right? And the car mm -hmm. is like not behaving the way how it should do, right? Yeah. And then we have some problems because, you know, the car can, you know, uh, go into some humans, you know, and then uh, you have a big problem there, right? Like, mm -hmm. the, like a crowd of people, this will be a problem for us. Mm -hmm. True, true, very true. Interesting, and uh, you know that's uh, really uh, you know insightful, and and uh, the the breadth of things that you have covered in this discussion is uh, is you know very enriching. I personally learned uh, quite a few things uh, as part of uh, this discussion. So uh, so thank thanks a lot, uh, Dan, for, uh, Dad, for uh, taking the uh, time out. And uh, what is a convenient way for people to reach out to you if they want to? Yeah, I think uh, LinkedIn is always a good uh, way, but uh, mm -hmm. I get a lot of messages every day, so it's always yeah. hard for me to to read all the messages, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes I do, so it's not like you know. Uh, sometimes I just cannot answer them, right? Uh, no. Sometimes I get like five, yeah, fifty messages per day. Mm -hmm. I just cannot go through them. But usually, you know, if uh, if I have close colleagues, you know, uh, I, there's always ways, you know, they know my emails and so on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is always, I also don't like to read emails these days as well. Because <laughs> they, they, they yeah. also, I have like 10,000 unread emails. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's, 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 it's very difficult. But, you know, when, when I know some people, basically, I... I, I write them back, right? Like on LinkedIn, yeah. for example, you know, for example, when Terry writes me or whatever, then I know it, then okay, then it's fine. This is a high, higher priority. But when someone new writes me, sometimes it's very difficult for me to just, you know, keep track of it because I also have a social life. This is yeah. also uh, the thing. <laughs> no, no, I completely understand. And, uh, you know, as I said, I, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed the discussion. I, I've enjoyed your posts a lot on, on LinkedIn and, uh, Hey, you know, thanks a lot for your work and the kind of efforts you've put in. Really thankful for you to take time out for this discussion. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Great.